I'm your host, Bree. Thanks for listening. The Tea with Bree podcast is focused on deep, honest, vulnerable conversations. Each week, I sit down with a different guest in order to have those conversations. Every week, we'll start with my guest bio, an intro into how we know each other, and then we'll go into a deep dive conversation about whatever topic they want to talk about that week. This week, I am joined by my guest, Samantha Slupski. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Let me read your bio and then we'll start this combo, friend. <laughs> Great. I love it. Samantha Slupski, who uses she, her pronouns, is a Midwestern writer, organizer, and performer living in Austin, Texas. She was a semifinalist at Texas Grand Slam 2018, has competed at the National Poetry Slam, the Individual World Poetry Slam, Women of the World Poetry Slam, Headline, the Melbourne, Australia Spoken Word Poetry Festival in 2018, has toured in the U.S. and Canada. She was a 2019 Winter Tangerine Workshop recipient, was an artist in resident at Center in 2019, and a 2018 The Heart of It Retreat Fellow. Her work has been published in Pass Fail, Thimble Lit Magazine, What Are, Bird, what Are Birds Journal, and more. Her writing centers around how a body survives trauma and aims to illuminate stories about mental health. She is currently a core organizer for ATX Interfaces, a community initiative that nurtures and amplifies marginalized artists, is a teaching artist at Austin Bat Cave, and is pursuing a degree in social work at Texas State University. When she isn't writing, she is cooking soup for her friends or hiking around Texas. You do make a lot of soup. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I do make a lot of soup and many other things. But many other things. <laughs> but I always laugh because I was like, you asked me a couple weeks ago, like, what should I make for dinner? I was like, don't make soup. Like, but I have stuff for soup. <laughs> like, you always have stuff for soup. I do. I truly do. Uh, I was just also like, how did we meet? I came up to you well actually i think jordan came up to you oh after my God. that was the boss page uh, event yeah the boss oh, page event that's right. mm-hmm. yeah and i was like a weird awkward i'd only been in austin <laughs> for i think like two months and i was like who are all these people <laughs> oh my god that's um, yeah. right that's it i feel like i've known you so much longer i know i know yeah because that so. was what september october i think it was september because oh I remember, God. like, I, I mean, I moved here in August, and I was like, I have to meet everyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad y'all did. I was, I've was i talked about this before. Like, I'll do speaking engagements, and then no one will come talk to me at all. But then, like, they'll talk to me on Instagram. I'm like, guys, if you, once you get to know me, I'm the nerdiest, <laughs> most humble <laughs> person ever. I'm like, please, I'm not any, any sort of level like that. Like, uh, it's so funny. That. I love it so much. Yeah. yeah. What a good time. What it's a good been, panel. 
Ugh, that was uh, uh, Nikki and Erica. I'm just. Mm-hmm. I actually talked to Sydney on Friday, the girl who uh, was the moderator. She just moved. Oh. We were having our our uh, our catch up. I was telling you, like I have been trying to talk to someone, <laughs> anyone, yeah. every day during quarantine, yes. just to kind of keep my brain active. Because, uh, but yeah, how how is quarantine treating you? Um, <laughs> exactly. It's like going okay. I um, I would say that probably the last couple of weeks, um, I feel like my body has like reached its threshold for dealing with this. Yeah. <laughs> um, and now it's like I think more than anything, like my body is starting to get stressed at the fact that there are so many people in the world that are not taking it seriously and therefore just prolonging it. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, it, it's hard to like function when you like, don't see an end in sight, you know, mm-hmm. which sounds really depressing. But um, so like, I've been having to try and like find like hopeful things in my day to um, push me through to the next moment. Cause it can like, I can start to spiral pretty hard um, about like how everything feels pretty doomed, but I also feel, um, you know, hopeful in the same breath. So, you know, it's like a lot of conflicting feelings. (laughs) Yeah. I've been listening to Brene Brown's new podcast because obviously, um, and I think either every episode she or her guest always says like, this won't last forever. And that's like the little hug I need every week of like, this won't last forever. Eventually everything will go back to quote unquote normal or figure out what the new Mm -hmm. normal is. Um, We're not in this alone. It's like, okay, Brene. Like (laughs) every week it's just like me talking to my head. I'm like, okay. Cause yeah, I was talking to someone yesterday. I was like, Oh, it was my, it was Shelby. Um, and I was talking to her because like, it is so hard living alone. And she was like, I don't know how someone who's as extroverted as you is living alone during this. I was like, girl, so I talk to someone every single day because it's, I mean, you know, I'm never home. So like for me, it's been like a real big quick shift into like, Hey, so (laughs) you're going to be by yourself for the foreseeable future. Um, figure it out. Yeah. yeah, I don't luckily, think I realized, like, oh, sorry. Go no, I was going to say, luckily, my friends, some friends and I have been, like, social distancing walking, which has been really oh, helpful, like, other friends who live alone. So, like, we've been, like, figuring out ways to, like, combat that. So, it's been nice. Go ahead. Yeah. You want to say something. Oh, I, I just, like, didn't realize, like, how much I really thrived off of, like, interacting with strangers so often. Because, like, I work from home and like anyway that that's just something I do anyway and so like my office was often like a coffee shop and mm-hmm. I didn't realize like how much of like a dopamine hit it was to like just talk to the barista in the morning <laughs> people adjacent <laughs> yeah and also too just like I I like read something on Twitter about like someone was like after this is over I'm never saying no to any invite ever again <laughs> and that's I'm like, like yeah. mm. uh-huh but it's also that thing of like <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, like, totally, like, right, but it, it's right. just, so it's it like, makes me, right. like, think about the things that I, like, took for granted so much, yeah. you know, but. Yeah, I know, someone, yeah. one of my friends who's introverted said that, too, was like, this is, like, when you get really drunk and you're hungover the next morning, and like, I'm never drinking again, it's, like, we're just all going through this thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree, it's put so much into perspective of, like, I, I've been really centering myself during quarantine, which sounds a little selfish, but I've been, like, 
get like being better about my taking care of myself. Like I've been working out four days a week, eating better, like planning my meals out and just like, that's what I need. That, that, that's mm-hmm. some kind of control I have in my brain. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's also like, I never slowed down. And so I also mm-hmm. think that the universe, the higher power, whoever you believe in was just like, we all need a reset. We've kind of lost our way here. Mm. My my spiritual side's like, I'm grateful there wasn't a flood. We're just gonna all right. like, <laughs> um so yeah, I've been I've been thinking about that too. Of like what how are we taking this time to like be better people, recenter, um, really focus yeah. on what's important. I mean, I've been looking at every organization I can possibly donate to right now. I saw one last yes. night called Eight Billion Trees and I almost bought like seven hundred trees last night. It was a whole thing. But <laughs> I didn't priorities. I love um, it. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. So Let's talk about this topic that you picked because I'm ridiculously excited about it, which I know people are going to think is strange, but I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're talking about abandonment, <laughs> which is so funny. It's so funny to me because like, I mean, we kind of talked about, we talked about talking about this like yeah. months ago. Yeah. Um, and I feel like so much regarding the topic has changed for me uh in the last like few months especially just because like I I don't like I don't know I've only lived in Austin for like nine months and just like the way that like I've shifted I think uh just Mm -hmm. in that time I anyway yeah it's just like I'm very excited to talk about it Yeah, and and looking at your notes because again, everyone, I send out show notes because I am a type A <laughs> OCD yes. sort of gal. Um, but I was reading your notes last night of just like how this topic has really like for me, it's particularly like it really triggered some stuff in me this week. Only because like um, we lost my cousin this past week, and so mm-hmm. like with me not being able to be with my family already during COVID was hard, but like now not being able because she lived in florida with like her mom and her two kids but then the rest of my family like new jersey connecticut new york like all the maryland Mm -hmm. like the upper east coast um and so last on monday when my sister told me i was like can i drive right now to connecticut and my friends like brie if even if you drive you're like they're not letting people in like you have to like they'll they'll still quarantine you for like 14 days so even if you drive here you're just like you still won't be with them so it was like just a lot of control has been lost and like that yeah. like, triggered abandonment too. Cause it's like another thing, like you, again, something like you can't change in the moment. Um, right. So yeah, I was very excited to talk about abandonment with you. Um, I'm trying to think what, what first got this. I think you read a poem and I probably, I think you read a poem at, it, probably at <laughs> interfaces and it triggered yeah. something. I was like, Oh, like I didn't even, I mean, I still, you know, to the first short amount of time, I was like, I had no idea. So, oh, I think it was the house poem that you write. Yes. Oh, yes. So good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I just am excited to talk about this. <sighs> yeah, that poem is so interesting because it like, it talks a lot about um, how abandonment can look so different because like my mom um quite literally left like the story with that is she was like I'm gonna go to the grocery store and then she didn't come back for like two years um and I was like oh cool um see you never (laughs) no but she eventually came back but um after that like I mean my so my dad is like schizophrenic and he mentally like was not present 
very often and so it's like very interesting to like have um like physical physical distance and also mental distance mm. um in in like my life because like I in my experience they are both they are just as equally um painful mm-hmm. um and so so I think that like that poem is mostly about that of like um you know she left but also my dad wasn't there either and so yeah. um it's it's yeah it's a weird weird and hard thing (laughs) i was telling you before we started like i recently wrote like a whole instagram thing about like i i told myself i wasn't dating in 2020 so i'm also thinking that covid is the universe sending me a plague so (laughs) i told myself i wasn't dating and i took some time and realized like I had been dating badly and i had been i've always seen myself like i think most little girls like plan their weddings and want all these really big things. But I was thinking back, I've never been excited about getting married. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because I'm like this huge feminist liberal or what have you, but like mm-hmm. my parents raised me to be very independent. <clears throat> and then I also like have always seen myself as a parent, but not a long-term partner. And so mm-hmm. I was sitting with that for a while and realizing that like, oh shit I have abandonment issues which I knew but like didn't know until like you sit with it and like losing my mom at 15 and then my dad and I stopped talking at 18 like I don't trust people to love me romantically long term like Mm. I have I'm really good at making friendships maintaining friendships all that stuff but like letting people in romantically to love me I don't trust it because I'm always like Mm -hmm. waiting for the other shooter jobs like I've dated people who I shouldn't have dated which I think we all have but like my sister always says that she was you self-sabotage by dating people you know you shouldn't be dating because that way you have an mm. easy out. And I was like, I didn't mm. ask you, but thank you. Um, <laughs> so like sitting with that of like, I have dated people who I know we had like really nothing in common. They didn't want kids. They were in poly relationships. Uh, what have you, like different things that I knew I didn't want. But it's yeah. also like this thing of like, as a human, you don't want to be alone. So like just be like adjacently connected to yeah. someone. Um, and then like, uh, yeah, just thinking about that, like I've always looked for a person to co-parent with, not a person to be in partnership with. Cause I was always terrified of like, if I become a mom and something happens to me, what happens to my kid? And right. so like January and February, I talked to a lot of people who are parents, single parents, people in partnerships, people who are co-parenting and like sitting and talking with them of like, I don't want to traumatize my future hypothetical child with abandonment issues like I have and like yeah my mom died like that's like something I couldn't control but my father made the decision to stop talking like to stop talking to each other and like now we're starting again and you know I've mentioned this before like my godparents are the people I consider my parents I've known them my whole life they have four kids but I'm the only kid my parents had and so Mm -hmm. I was talking to my godmom on Monday uh no Tuesday um which that's the cousin that's her niece mm-hmm. who we lost. Um, and so she asked, have you talked to your father? I was like, your husband or my actual father? <laughs> she goes, mm. Your actual father. And I was like, I talked to him at the beginning of all this because uh, my dad uh, is a cancer survivor, but then also like his cancer came back last year. And so I was just making mm. sure like, he was okay. Right. He was there with his new wife, my stepmom for those who need that title. Um, and like, we were just talking. I was like, I haven't, so I told him, like, I talked to him, like, like maybe like three, four weeks ago. I'm like, did he call you on your birthday? I'm like, I think so. Like, I don't remember. Yeah. Um, and she's like, 
she was getting like mind you I called to check on her but then sometimes like as a mother we end up talking about the child and the situation right like you're his only kid and he does not reach out to you often I was like listen I have I found that with abandonment it's like a lot of like you have to forgive them because it it's just like weighing on your heart it's like the people who like Mm -hmm. say it's like when you poison someone else or whatever the saying is of like you do all this stuff to yourself thinking it's going to hurt the person it actually hurts you so like right I'm really big on like forgiveness and moving forward because like I can't have that energy in my body yeah but Mm -hmm. sitting there and like thinking about what how I've dated how I don't want my kid to have the same shit that I had and just like trying to be better um, so that's how my abandonment issues kind of re-triggered during COVID. So I was just like, yeah, sitting in this space of like, I am single right now, which I, again, whoever is up there, thank you. Because I think they knew I didn't need to be dating the people I was dating mm-hmm. before. And I needed this time alone to sit. But yeah, I think about those people too, who are like starting to feel abandonment during this because they can't be with other people or right. they yeah, don't know I, how, I, how to navigate this. Go ahead. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because, like, the things that I've been thinking a lot about is, like, I, my, like, inner child wounds are, like, really Mm. coming to the surface, and I was, like, talking to my therapist um, last week, like, I had a friend, um, like, text me about, like, how to cook a meal, (laughs) Um, and, like, I felt, like, this really surprising like bit of rage in that moment because I was like I didn't have anyone to teach me how to cook Mm. like I'm not gonna be like the the person who does that like I'm not a mom like I very am intentionally not a mother so like I and it like and it was so weird because like normally I'm elated to teach people how to cook yeah. I'm like yes let me walk you through this I am the patron <laughs> step tutorial vegetables yes yeah. And so I like, I thankfully had a therapy appointment and I was like, something happened inside of me that felt very not true to who I am. Um, what is going on? And like, we were talking a lot about like, how, like, cause I, cooking is like such a big part of my identity, weirdly. Um, like as I've grown up, because like, I really, I think a lot about nourishment and not just in like the sustenance um, sense, but also in like uh like what I'm mentally nourishing myself with intellectually nourishing myself with and um so that's just like such a big part of me and that is those are things that I have like cultivated myself and not things that I learned from my parents because quite frankly all I've learned from them is how to be um you know uh not (laughs) great (laughs) like Mm. I don't know I've just I've learned a lot of unhealthy like um habits from them and so I was anyway I was talking to like my therapist about like where that pain is coming from and like I like it this sounds like so selfish whenever it comes out of my mouth but sometimes I'm just like I wish that I just had like an elder who like could reach out to me and be like hey like are you okay like are you cared for in the way that Mm. you need to be and like and I have friends who do that and like I I I'm so grateful for that and like love my friends endlessly like they are my family but like there's this weird hole like in my heart where it's like I don't have like 
like I've texted like my grandparents and like I call I like call my parents like once every few weeks just because it's like a guilt thing I have but um which is a whole other conversation but um you know I'm the one that checks in on them and it's like I kind of have a throughout my whole life really I've like assumed the role of parent for my parents um and like that that is like um that's a pain that I have not healed um and that really made itself like apparent this this like during quarantine and like because I have like a lot of I've like found a lot of weird and messed up ways to like distance myself from my parents um and in regards to like the way that like dating has presented itself like in the past I would like in a similar way date people that I had no business of dating who who like I could make a sweater from the red flags they gave me um but like uh I chose to be there anyway because it was it was better than nothing and that is something that like I've really had to unpack in my life is that like I deserve more than like better than nothing you know and so that's like something that is really so strange to like to kind of sit with it's like I I want um I like don't I don't know I just it there's a weird like ache to like not be checked in on from like somebody Mm -hmm. who has your own blood you Mm -hmm. know um but like overall on most days I'm like my friends give me more than I could ever ask for and like I have so many relationships that are so nourishing um but it was just a weird moment this last week where I was like, I like literally had like a, I want my mom moment, but mm-hmm. like, I don't want my mom. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that's like a really weird thing to hold that yeah. like makes me feel really nauseous. <laughs> yeah. And I want to circle back to that. Like the, the people to check in on you. Like I was telling someone the other day, like I am the only child my parents had, but my godparents have four kids. So if you think about like, I'm their fifth kid. And also the really stable one, like <laughs> yeah. ridiculously quiet and shy and like sometimes in a little, lose a little gentle touch, that little cancer baby. Um, and then my younger sister is very outgoing. She still lives in the same um, city. As her parents. Um, one of my brothers lives in Jersey. The other one lives in Connecticut. So like mm. I'm the one that's like farthest out, but I'm also like right. the one that's most stable. So like, it's also this thing of like, when you are the strong one or the one who has come, who has overcome so much, people don't think to check on you because you're always the one that's below, right? Like, yeah. I called my godmom on Tuesday. She's like, I was just about to call you. And I was like, mm, sure. And like, she's like, I was. I was like, and it's the thing of like, I am never checked on. I always have to be the one who calls people. And I think it's that yeah. thing of like, people know that you have survived so much that they see you as the strong one and don't think that like you're ever crashing, which I think I've told other people, this is why like I'm very vulnerable on Instagram, which I, we were just talking about like Instagram Mm -hmm. is my (laughs) preferred social media platform. Yeah. But this is why I'm so vulnerable because everyone who like doesn't know me well, like people who see me like I speak engagements or what have you, or like at work think it's like, Brie's always like got it together. I'm like, no, I'm still right. human. <laughs> like there are things that like yeah. still like get to me and there are times when I just have to like completely shut down and not talk to people. But 
that really you saying that like people not checking in like I call my grandparents I call my siblings I call everyone in my family I'm Mm -hmm. I like I went to college like I still have two friends in college who still refer to me as mom like I took care of them during college because it was like their first time living away from home and they were younger than me so like I always like it's just I was raised to be a nurturer and so I think about that too like people see people who nourish other people and don't think that they need to be nurtured Right. So yeah. yeah, and then also like raising your parents or raising people, like you have to teach people. And it's interesting because like in particularly in communities of color, it's like this very big thing of like respecting your parents and your elders and all that stuff sort of stuff. Right. But like there are days I still refer to my dad as his first name. Like you're like yeah. I'm your father, I'm like, who James? And like, yeah. I'm like he and I have the same bloodline, but he hasn't been a father to me in a very long time. So like you right. can't police my language around how I refer to him right like yeah and people yeah. don't don't see you as like you now have to like I didn't talk to my dad from the time I was 18 to the time I was 25 mm. it's like a good six-ish years of like yeah. I'm now a full adult who's been taking care of her own stuff like right I'm your child but I am not a child anymore and it's like right. that dichotomy too like trying to to take that of like you you abandoned me, but you want to come back in, but you haven't apologized. And yeah. trying mm. to also show you that, like, I have grown up and you have not been around to see that. And this is, like, who I am now. And I need you to respect that, too. So I've also got right. really good at distancing my family because, like, when my dad and I fell out, my dad's side of the family, except for my nana, who's his mom, and my cousin, everyone else like kind of stops talking to me because they see my dad right. as like this patriarch. And I was like, that's fine. Y'all can think he walks on water, but here I am doing fine. And then yeah. like, like I would have aunts and cousins call me like, you need to say sorry to your dad. I'm like, no, my dad needs to say sorry oh. to me. Like, right. <laughs> don't try to make yourselves comfortable by telling me what I need to do in order to bury right. the hatchet. Like it's not, first of all, mm-hmm. my business. Second of all, no, like it, the yeah. thing too, like I was really good at distancing from family and they got pissed because like now like I'm really close with like a lot of my friends and their families and my family right. feels very left out and I'm like well when my dad stopped talking to me where were all of you like don't right. get mad at me because the way I survived the stuff I went mm-hmm. through that trauma was with other people who showed me more <laughs> love than my old family did so I'm not apologizing <laughs> for making familial connections with people who I'm not related to because the people who were related to me didn't try. So that was right. You triggered well, something in me during yeah. your spaces. But it, yeah, that yeah. yeah. It's like so wild because like I I like I like really have taken some true extreme steps to like get my family out of my life. Um mm. have like basically like mentally killed them off in my head (laughs) um in a lot like in a past version of myself I really um and like and made that very clear to a lot of the people in my life um and maybe I I don't think I was very responsible with the way that I like handled that um but like I think a lot about like forgiveness and um like I in terms of like my mother I I always like the thing I unpack with my therapist a lot is that like she was doing the best that she could and that it is okay that that was not good enough. Um, And like, can you say that again? Like, (laughs) doing uh, the best she could. 
but yeah. it's okay that it was not good enough. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, the first time that I like sat with that, I like, I sobbed. Um, and so like, I think a lot about that. And like, especially like in terms of my dad, like he, he is a very, I like have healed the wounds with my dad over the last couple of years because like he, um, I think a lot of the reasons that he is the way that he is, is because my mother is, um, terrible. If they ever hear this, I, that's going to be terrible, but, um, you know, they, they know, um, well, my dad knows, I don't know if my mom knows. And I think that that's like the, the biggest pain for me is that like my mom doesn't, I think have like the cognitive ability to understand how much she hurt me. Um, and it's a boundary that I've put up for myself that I don't think I could ever have that like conversation with her because, um, it just, it would, I think like just unearth too much for me to like handle. Um, and so it's like a boundary I've drawn with myself to where it's like, for me, like the way that I have been, I've healed a lot of the the wounds from them is like taking space and not talking to them. Um, but like, especially with like all of this, like COVID stuff, like, like I, I'm, I'm realizing in my heart that like, despite the fact that I am endlessly infuriated with the way that they parented me I still feel um a a deep sadness at the fact that like they could maybe like not be okay and I wouldn't know it um like there have been so many times where like I found out that my dad was in the hospital and I didn't find out until after the fact and that weirdly really like makes me feel sad because I'm like I want to know like if my parents are not doing well, but also Mm -hmm. like, so it's like balancing the boundary of like, how do I create space for my own health and healing while also like recognizing that I can still care about them. And like, this is a very new revelation that I've come to because like, I, like I said, like probably up until the last year, I would have done anything to just not talk about them, not think about them, not um I would the only way I would do that is in my poems and Mm. um and now I'm like okay I like feel like I have some of like my bandwidth back to um to unpack it a little bit and so that's like been a lot of like and I, I also think it helped that I moved away from my hometown and that I like was not a 20 minute drive from them, you know? Um, Cause like my dad would call me 30 times in a row when he would have like a manic episode and be like, you have to come over. And I'm like, no. <laughs> and now he doesn't call me because he knows I can't just drive over there um, at the drop of a hat. And like that I think has been very healing for me um, in a very unexpected way. And cause I know it hurts that I moved away, but it's like, if I didn't get out, <laughs> I never yeah. was going to. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, a it's, it's a lot of weird grief that it's like a lot of truths at once. And I am really, I've been, I guess, navigating what it looks like to hold two different truths, Mm. um, at the same time, because that is like one of the hardest things to do, but I think it's like very necessary, you know? Um, Yeah. So, gosh, Sam, you're <laughs> triggering so much. <clears throat> okay, I'm so sorry. I've been like taking notes up and down this sheet of paper because there's mm-hmm. so much I want to circle back on. Um, yeah, I th- when you said forgiveness and like doing the best you could, ah, uh, <laughs> I was not prepared for that to sit like that with me. Um, yeah, 
so when my mom passed away, my so my parents had been together. I was 15. My parents had been together for like a good 15, 16 years. Um, maybe a little longer. But my dad had been with her for that long. And so like he started dating like maybe like a month or two after she died. And now mm-hmm. in retrospect, like as an adult, I get it. Like he didn't know how to be alone. Like I have now seen friends who jump relationship to relationship because it's better right. to be with someone than to be alone. Whereas me, I'm really good at being alone. Like, I am a professional person at being single. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like driving that space. Maybe it's because I felt like I, not that I had to raise myself, because my parents were married. We we all lived in the same house. Like, but my mom taught me from a very early, like, I started cooking at, like, seven or eight. Like, my mom, like, because my mom had gotten sick the first time. And so she was, like, very adamant. I'm like, I want you to be able to take care of yourself know how to cook do laundry like all this stuff so like I have I had learned how to be self-sufficient which I think kind of gave my dad the space to like go and date and like Mm. by that time I was like 15 16 six I had just my mom died a month before my birthday so I was 16 and my dad started like really started dating again but like I had been a latchkey kid because my parents worked so like I was really good at like being alone, taking care of myself, not burning the house down. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> like, I think that gave my dad a lot of space to, like, not be around so much. So, like, even, like, that little bit of distance, right? Like, that's kind of where it started with us. So, like, mm-hmm. he knew subconsciously, consciously, what have you, that I would be okay. And so right. he started dating. And so, like, now I'm, like, he was doing the best he could. Like, he was still, like, for sure, like, we still, he still is in the house I grew up in. Like, I was taken care of in that aspect. But, like, emotionally I wasn't and like I remember I was telling someone on a couple episodes like if you didn't know me you didn't know my mom died like very I was very stoic like I was still going to school I was you know still getting good grades um I went to school the day she died and then my dad made me stay home the day after her funeral he's like you need to like not move (laughs) because I was like very much like I am like I just keep going and moving and then like eventually it'll all come to the surface but until then right moving um so think about that of like i have learned to forgive that part of my dad of like he was doing the best he could in a situation he had no idea how to navigate right but (laughs) yeah i mean there is a but always (laughs) trust me (laughs) now it's as i get older it's like you know when i was in college i was like i was going through a lot i was very depressed um and my dad lived one town over from the college I went to so like I like wrote written him a letter dropped it off his mailbox um so I was still like not talking to him right so like I wrote right. a letter and he not and so it was me like saying like listen I'm at the end of my rope I'm very depressed I was having suicidal thoughts I was like I want you to know I forgive you just in case anything happens I've been going through a lot and all he did was text me and goes I'm happy that you were honest in your letter Oof. Your child is sitting here telling you that they're having suicidal thoughts and that's the most you can offer them. That's like, uh, that is so heartbreaking. And it's so, I think that whenever I'm thinking about, because we're talking about abandonment and I'm, that like triggered something in me of like, um, I, whenever I like, so I went through like a really traumatic period from like third grade to fifth grade. Um, and I like, 
the whole my life story is very weird and trauma has stolen a lot of memories for me but i know that between like the third grade and the fifth grade me and my mom lived in texas actually we lived in pasadena and um she was like cheating on my dad with this dude and this dude was very abusive if you read my poems you'll hear a lot about him um and like that point like there was like there are people that I know now who knew me like before that time and like people are like people have been like you just disappeared Mm. and I'm like yes I know I did my mom stole me away um but um but I was like thinking about like after that traumatic time like I came back when I was in the fifth grade and in the sixth grade my hormones kicked in and I realized like oh something happened to me and that was like the first time that I was ever admitted into a psychiatric hospital um because I tried to kill myself and um it like it's so weird because like my after every summer after that my parents like because whenever I was in school I was fine I actually like really thrived in school I was like I'm not at home. I have friends. Like I'm, I'm eating. Like I, I have a place where I can have meals because that wasn't always true at home. And so, like, I like I felt safe at school. So whenever summer like happened, like my brain was like, oh, like now you're stuck at home. The shit is terrible. And so, like, from sixth grade to sophomore year in high school, every summer I was in the hospital. Mm. And even for times that I didn't, the last time I went to the hospital was because I stayed out too late and I ran away and uh air quotes ran away and I just didn't come home after like being at the pool one summer night and they like called the police and they were like either you're gonna go to juvie or you're gonna go to the hospital and I was like well I'm going to the hospital um and like the nurse that was there was like you're back again (laughs) and I was like yeah my parents don't know how to like discipline me and like or like take care of me and so they just like dump me here for the summer and like that and then the next summer I like moved out of my house when I was like 16 because I was like well like they don't want me here and so Mm. I think like the thing that's like I've been thinking a lot about is like how abandonment can look it can look it doesn't just have to look like somebody leaving it -hmm. just like looks like people not being there in the ways that we need them to be right like that's that's what I thought of when like like when you like when you're if you're in college and you're like telling like your own father like hey like I need I need to be seen right now and he's like no like that like that is like abandonment so yeah uh, I'm like so sorry that that happened um and like but But, yeah that just like triggered something in me where I was like "Eh." (laughs) but I think about that too like this the thing you were talking about like space equaling like healing right like so when my mom passed I like lived with my dad at my dad's house but would like bounce back and forth between my best friend John lived two blocks away. So, like, I would go stay with, like, his family during the school week. And then on the weekends, I'd be with my godparents. Like, it was very mm-hmm. much, like, I was not in my own house. Right. Um, but also, like, hearing that, too, of, like, there's a lot of stuff I don't remember. And I always thought, like, maybe I hit my head when I was younger. But now, like, like oh, you went through trauma. Like, you're blocking trauma. out. I have a book. Like, my friends will you. bring up things. And I'm like, I don't remember that. And, like, Brie, you were there. I'm like, I trust you that I was there, but I do not remember mm-hmm. it. Um, so yeah, I think of space and healing like that of like you going to a physically different space as well, but then also like how your brain protects you, like the space your brain <sighs> creates. Like, hey, girl, don't want you to deal with this. We're gonna put it way back here that <laughs> so you don't have. Yes, to. 
your survival is going to be like, we're going to make you forget it. Like just how much your body is like, we're going to help you survive by helping you to forget Mm. this. Have you ever heard of the book, The Body Keeps the Score? I have heard of it, but I've not read it. Who's it by? Oh my gosh. Um, Bessel van der Kolk. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He's a very uh, intense person. He has a, um, he talks on this um, podcast called On Being with Krista Tippett and He's a very, I don't know what, he's just like a very intense presence in his voice and in his writing as well. But um, his, that book, like, I have not read all of it because it is very dense and like, is like, oh, but like, (laughs) we, we like hold trauma in our bodies like so intensely. Yeah. And like, I, I think that like, as we get older, like, we're like, why does like our, why do I feel nauseous all the time? Or like, why is my neck sore? And it's like, oh, like, like, I've had to, like, I have a lot of, um, like, reproductive issues, uh, like, organ issues, and, like, so do I. Oh, my God. Uh, We we, we figured it out. (laughs) Yeah. We're doctors. We're doctors now. I, I, like, actually had surgery, um, back in September. Um, I remember you saying that. Yeah, and it, it was, that was a whole traumatic experience in and of itself, but anyway, um, but like I, I've like done a lot of unpacking since then where I'm like, I'm not totally sure if what like I'm experiencing there is like a medical issue mm. or like my body holds trauma there. And oh, wow. like, and I know it does, but like I was reading this book and it gave me a lot of the language around that um, because it's like, it's, it just is so, I like feel I think about all the times that I have been like left in any sort of way, like whether that be a relationship or um, like over, like right before I moved, I kind of went through a couple of pretty tough like friend breakups, Mm -hmm. which are arguably worse than any romantic thing I've ever experienced. Agreed. Um, The worst. (laughs) And like my, like I have like a, like I feel ill afterwards. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm like, just like the way that my body has responded to, um, being like left and like uh, and that's like a whole other thing but I just think a lot about the way that like our bodies are like responding to this time um and like Mm. feeling like lonely or like alone in whatever capacity you know um yeah it's interesting to bring that up like my mom had cervical and uterine cancer and then Mm -hmm. her radiation treatment wasn't good and so it developed into leukemia that's a whole different episode um but i think about now like i have not had a regular period since before my mom died Mm. and so like hearing you say that i'm like is my body mimicking what she went through like is this that's that Mm. where i'm holding trauma of like i want to be a mom so bad but like also like am i able to have kids like then my doctor's like there's nothing on your scans there's your test all came back negative so like there's no Mm -hmm. reason why i'm physically not having one but it's right. just not happening. So I'm like, oh my God, is that trauma? Like now I'm like <laughs> thinking about yeah. that. Cause I also have made the decision, like, because of all that, like I don't plan on having my own kids. Like I plan on adopting, but I think about that too. Like the intergenerational trauma, like I don't want to pass on this trauma to my kid. And so I yep. think that's like me trying like to navigate that of like my body is telling me that I quote unquote can't have a baby and I think it's also them being like but also like are you physically ready to have a baby like it's all these things of like just thinking about that of like 
and like having nanny for so long and me being like quasi adopted i'm like listen there are left people in the world i can go adopt a kid but i think about that mm-hmm. like you saying that really just triggered in my brain of like maybe my trauma is like that's i like i I'm not gonna cry i am <laughs> having that my mom could only have me like she i was the only mm-hmm. kid my mom was physically able to have and then her cancer developed and then like my parents weren't able to adopt it was a whole situation but right I think about that now, like that just triggered in my brain of like, maybe this is my body's way of saying like, you have gone through a really traumatic thing and we don't think you physically need to have a baby. Cause like, it's very mm-hmm. random. Like I used to get my period like every three months and it would last like three weeks. And like, now I, mm-hmm. I'm lucky if I get my period like three times a year now. And it's like, there, again, wow. there's no reason why, um, we're like monitoring and all that sort of stuff, but that's right. just fascinating. It just triggered that in my brain of like, yeah. How trauma yeah, I mean, up. it's, it's really, um, wild and like, <laughs> cause I like, I've been thinking a lot about like, um, I like was writing a poem the other day about like how, whenever I came back from like that really traumatic time as a child, um, in Texas, I mm-hmm. was like in the nurse's office, like every day I was, I would be like, I need to go to the nurse's office I don't feel good and mm-hmm. um I was like thinking I was like like nothing has like yes I've been like sick before but like it, back then it was like I, I think that my body was telling me like hey something is up and like I didn't have the language for it um then and so like my body was like we're gonna tell you what's up and then like eventually like I said like my body was like oh like you have hormones now we're gonna crack these emotions into you and like you're gonna start feeling (laughs) like you want to die and so it's like so I think about how I've evolved since then and like the way that like my body responds to um like I like I have a lot of like weird um like at night I'm always nauseous like I Mm -hmm. always feel like I'm gonna throw up at night and like I think that that's because like my body like our bodies remember before our brains do. Mm. Um, and so like when you were saying like, um, just like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I feel like your, your body kind of like holding the memory of your mom in that way is like both like beautiful and tragic, yeah. you know? Um, and like, I don't know. I like, I try to really honor I, this, <laughs> the quarantine <laughs> is really having me think about, um, like the time I'm spending with my body, like I did a lot of yoga, um, like kind of when all of this started, and then I kind of stopped because like, I was like, I'm feeling too many things because I'm in my body. Um, And so like, I think that like, I kind of to tie it back to like abandonment, I sort of think a lot about what like all the ways that I have like abandoned myself. Mm. Um, And like, I, I think that that's like what this whole time is kind of like, um, bringing up for me it's like how can I like show up for myself because mm-hmm. there are so many people who either can't or don't for whatever reason and so it's like so it's like a bitter it's a bittersweet like double-edged sword it's like I'm so grateful that I have the resilience to show up for myself but like also I want to be taken care of too, yeah. you know <laughs> so it's like a it, it's I'm great I'm both grateful and sad and again like holding those like two truths is just like exhausting (laughs) yeah and I think like I was telling someone a couple weeks ago I was like 
when I started this new job, I was nervous because I know that every right. May, I, my body just shuts down. Yeah. Last year, I was, in a, I was at another job that I'd been at for a while. So, like, I was able to work from home almost all of May, which now with quarantine, we'll see what happens. But right. every May, my body just shuts down. And I realize it's the trauma of, like, my mm-hmm. mom passed in February of 20, 2006. My friend Nick passed away in May 2014. No, mm-hmm. April 2014. My grandfather passed in May of 2008. Mother's Day is in May. Yeah. My birthday is in March. So I feel like from like February to May, my body's like, hey, girl, like (laughs) we remember the trauma of these four months. And here in May, like May's been like a really steady month for you. So it's not like your whole body just fail. Like I was so sick last May, like could not get out of bed for like a week. And my roommate's like, are you okay? I was like, my body does this every year. Like I'm fine. (laughs) Like I would like to, and at the time I was working at a nonprofit. So I was like, hey, my physical and mental health always like depletes in May and right. I will be able to get things done, but I physically just cannot move for like a good two weeks to a full month in May. Um, we'll see how this year goes. Cause I feel like I've done a lot of healing the last year. So mm-hmm. fingers crossed. Um, but yeah, like just thinking about that too, like what your body remembers, like that physical, like mm-hmm. knock on wood for fingers crossed. I don't think anything ever happened to me physically. Um, and if so, I have blocked it out completely. Um, but I think about like just how your body holds trauma and just like my mom dying, my grandfather who was like, got my grandfather got me into music and music is really big in my life. Mm -hmm. And then my friend Nick passed unexpectedly and it was, and he was like my favorite person. And so like, it's just been, Hey girl, we're just going to every May just to kind of make sure it's almost like this my body nurturing itself like you have not been sitting still so it's also like this thing of like physically making you sit still so I think yeah. about that too like the the trauma of like just <clears throat> your body remembering things and mm-hmm. like that's how it usually shows up for me so like I have been sort of grateful during this time of like being inside to be fair like I still haven't sat still like I took Friday off so like I'm gonna just take the day off, and then I still did way too much. Like I went for a walk, yeah. and I went to the grocery store, yeah. and then I came home, and I did this. Like it's real. I don't sit still, and I and I've been thinking about that too. I'm like, do I right. keep constantly moving so that my brain can't catch up with my body, or that like I don't have to sit and remember things and listening oh to red table talk? Like which I will always talk about red table talk. It's my favorite show. It's on YouTube. It's Jada Pinkett Smith, her daughter Will, and her mom Adrian. I'm just like, it's the I best show it. ever. And if you're not watching it, you're failing at life. Kidding, <laughs> but also not kidding. But they were, they have just been like talking a lot about how like trauma is triggering and COVID and like all this isolation. And like, you're like, Jada always says, like, just sit still and be. And I am so afraid to just sit still and be. And I know that about oh my myself. Gosh. Like, I can't do it. Sitting. Mm-mm. and quiet <laughs> for a no. long time terrifies nope. me like yeah I had mm-hmm. a really good meditation practice for a long time like when I first moved here yeah. I was really good about it and like the last year or two I've gone through a lot of shit like romantically and professionally and I'm just like I can't sit still right now like I have to keep doing so many things which yeah. is like a form of depression of like it's like hyperactive depression like you do things it's yeah. like avoidance over functioning yes yeah you do a lot of shit so you don't have to sit with your shit um oh my gosh yes yes uh, I before I moved to Austin I, one of the reasons I moved here was because I needed to stop because before I moved here I 
like worked a nine to five, was an, the executive director of a po poetry organization, which I would argue that I probably worked like 80 hours a week in that job. It was like, uh, it was so great. And it was such a good part of my life. But like, I, I like did so many things and I was performing and I was touring and I was like, I was traveling all the time to go perform. And it was just like, I did anything possible to fill the quiet. I mm. did. And I said yes to everything. I, I like, said yes to things that I was getting underpaid to do just because I needed something to do. And I like, I hit a point cause like, yeah, I, I, I've never um, like, I, death has like not been a big part of like my life, but I have like, like, you know, felt grief in a lot of other ways um, and like loss in a lot of other ways. And I, I think that like that grief is so loud um, that like, yeah, I've really all that is to say is I am the same way. And so I, in, in terms of like over-functioning in that way and the last like few months, I've really tried to, like I told myself that I wasn't going to organize or help organize anything for like six months. And I held true to that. And I didn't, I didn't do anything until, um, you know, KB was like, want to help with interfaces and I was like <laughs> it's been eight months yes yeah I am now ready to like do something because I had to build a lot of boundaries of like I just need to learn how to like not fill all the noise which I'm not I'm not great at still but like I can do it now more than I ever have been before but this whole like COVID situation whenever like the first couple of weeks I was on so many zoom calls every single day right and I was like facetiming everyone and I was in workshops open mics I was like I have to do everything <laughs> and it's like it, it to, I, I love that you said like avoidance because that is what it is you know it's like I I just need to avoid um I just need to avoid all the all this stuff but I'm also like finding I don't know I I think that like the, myself anyway like I find that like burst of um like quiet in like the smallest things because I feel like that's all I can handle mm -hmm. um like I like in the morning I make like a pour over coffee because like it's it's a moment of like mindfulness that I like ha I have to be paying attention or I'm gonna get like a shitty cup of coffee, <laughs> you know. And so like I think that instead of for me the way that I've been like kind of coping with all of it is like instead of um, like doing big long bursts of sitting still, I think I just like find little moments to like relish in, um, which is why I love cooking so much because it's like there's a, there's a clear beginning when I start chopping the vegetables and then there's a clear end when it's done. And like, if I'm just present for that, the whole meal making process, mm -hmm. then that to me, like, is like my joy of the day, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I was talking to a friend the other day and I think we need to circle back on like food and recipes in your inner child. So there's, there's some things coming up that I'm like trying not to cry through. I'm like, holy shit, what is wrong? Oh, um, but my friend the other day, I was on FaceTime. Oh, my friend Joseph, the one I had like a 16-hour FaceTime with the other day. Mm -hmm. um, he has a really big sweet tooth and so do I. So we're like talking mm -hmm. about that of like, my thing is like, if anyone who knows me, I love to cook, but I hate to bake. 
And I think it's because with cooking, there's no rules. Yeah. You have to be very specific. So I have started using baking as a way to like really connect with myself because I have to Mm. focus like you with your coffee. Like with me when I'm baking, I have to follow directions because if you don't, you'll be fucked up. And so when quarantine first started, like everyone was stress baking, I just made cookie dough. And I know those recipes yeah. like the back of my hand, but I still took the time to slow down, read it, mm-hmm. go through the whole thing. Um, and I didn't even bake the cookies. I just made the dough, put it in, <laughs> put it in plastic wrap and froze it. But I, I just that. needed to do something to get me out of my brain mm-hmm. and just give myself quiet space. Because like usually like I will cook and put on a podcast and everything else. But, like when I bake, it's like I have to have no noise. And right. pay attention because I will, I will, I'll get distracted if I have other things on. So like me being like baking or like pre- preparing to bake um, gives me just enough quiet space. Like I know like when shit is falling apart for me, I'm like, I got to bake something. Like mm-hmm. I need to like refocus and maybe it's another form of avoidance behavior, but it keeps me grounded oh, um, yeah. and I will make, make whatever I'm making and feel like it's a little reset to my life and be like, okay, I am ready to do, to jump back in. So mm-hmm. when you were saying that about you cooking and having a clear beginning to end, I was like, yeah. Or like when I used to drink coffee, it was that too. Like I need to quiet. Like I will mm-hmm. fill up the water. I will, while the water's filling, I will, it was interesting. Like making coffee was the thing I was like, I have to just do this. It's like, it wasn't even like while the water's filling, like fill the coffee. It was like, no, fill the water, get the pitcher, close it walk back over to the coffee pot like it was very much like right. it's one of the things like I will slow down into but like you're saying it's a very short amount of time of quiet yeah um yeah but yeah and then like at the beginning of this you talked about like your inner wounds being opened back up like around recipes and mm. people asking you what that was and like food being connection and I think about that too of like I've talked about like my eating disorder before but now right. hearing that too is like oh like food is a really big thing in family and for me, like, I didn't have that. So I'm also like, is that yep. why my avoidance to food? Like, I still now, like, I am so weird about eating. And it's not like, yeah. and I don't know how to, like, categorize it. Like, I hate the sound of people chewing and swallowing, but that's not it. Like, me physically eating disgusts me. Like, even me by myself. Mm. Like, I am very hypercritical on how I eat things like the other day, which sounds so stupid. The other day I was eating grapes. I'm like, why are you eating like this? And it was just me by myself. And I was like, and it took me a minute. I'm like, okay, don't do that to yourself. You're eating to to sustain your body. We are here. You are fine. But it's like this thing of like another form of control, like just being very Mm -hmm. hypercritical of myself. It's like, I'll do it so often. Like, and it's interesting because like, I will go out like to when we were allowed outside, I like will go to meals and like have no issue eating in front of other people. But I also think back to when I was younger, like my cousin Avery would come stay with us every summer. And Avery is like, a, I was always the heaviest person in my family. Like even as a little kid, like just, I don't, anyway. But Avery would like eat all the time. And I was so terrified to eat because I was so afraid mm-hmm. to gain weight. And like, I just always thought about that, like the freedom to just feel like you can eat whatever you want and not be right. about it. But like for a long time, I was like very big on like what went into my body and, and that. And I don't know. And like, and I had an eating disorder before my mom died, but like when she died that first, she died in February, she died February 1st, her funeral, I think was the sixth or seventh. Um, 
and then my birthday was March 18th. So between, so like about a month, I lost like 20 pounds in a month. Mm. And my friends noticed and then one aunt noticed. And my aunt was very much like, she lived in the same town as me. My cousin and I are the same age. So we went to school together. So like she would see me every day on the bus. And so one day she like pulled me aside. She goes, we need to get you help or we need to talk to someone because you are killing yourself. And that was like the first time anyone mm. in my family saw it. I think she's still probably the only one who knows. Um, but yeah. then like my friends too, like if, again, if you didn't know me, you didn't know my mom died. Um, right. And like, luckily, like we had therapy in school. So like I could do therapy like at, and during a free period. And we had a grief group for people who had lost their parents, which I thought was mm. so interesting. Cause it's like a thing, like you don't talk to people about losing your mom if you don't know them. But like there was other people right. who had lost a parent in our school. So like we had a weekly therapy group and like my therapist, she was great. Sarah, I love you. Um, mm. And you know, still sitting with that of like just the access and privilege I had around like being able to go to therapy in school around Mm -hmm. losing a parent and then also like talking to other girls who then also too like had other stuff going on and just thinking about like how how loss of like a similar how like a similar situation of loss and grief shows up differently in people, right? Like Mm -hmm you think about someone who like was really close to the parent or like didn't have a relationship with the parent at all, like how that grief looks different. Um, And just all that heaviness around. Yeah. So like, I think to backtrack, I was like (laughs) the connection to food and nourishment and familial connection and like people teaching you how to cook. And, you know, now with me, like if I decide to have kids at all, (laughs) Um, I am very big around sharing recipes and like I'll call my grandmothers all the time like what's the recipe for this and this and like it's interesting to hear like my both my grandmas like none of our grandkids except for you ever call us to ask about recipes I'm like why not I'm like y'all are like the best cooks I've ever known in my whole life so like yeah the stuff I cook comes from my grandmothers and it's I am so close to them Mm. and I think about that all the time of like if I don't ask for it when they're gone that like that recipe goes with them and so it's just right. like I losing my mom has made me feel really connected to a lot of women in my family um mm. and the things they can teach me but then also like it's really hard to like my my mom's family is really close um and actually they all came down here for Thanksgiving this year we went to my aunt's house in Colleen and sitting there I was up with my grandmother it's like 3 a.m just cooking and it was it was my grandma me and my aunt and just like all of us together and my aunt uh is actually my mom's first cousin but family um so she's my aunt Gladys um and she it's hard to see her because I look so much like my mom and so like Mm. with her it's like she loves to see me but I know it's very triggering for her yeah I think about that too around food and like family and like how much we look like our family and like seeing one of my mom's brothers for the first time in years. And I had, I think I'd seen my uncle since I was like 18 because he lives, he's in the uh, service. So like he moves all the time. Yeah. I probably hadn't seen him for like 10 ish years. And so he walked in, I was like, hi, he goes, Oh my God, you look so much like my sister. And I'm like, that's because I'm her Mm. child. Um, And it's always like this weird, like compliment, but I'm also like, I'm not her guys. Like it's, it's so hard yeah so Ugh. emotions feelings yes they're, family they're real yeah <laughs> I like I have a lot of a lot of shame surrounding the way that I've like handled um 
my the grief surrounding my parents because I especially like in my relationships um I've like told a lot of lies Mm. (laughs) about things um whether to get support or just because it was what I needed to do to survive um and like I've I just have so much shame because like I've hurt a lot of people um by like telling a lot of lies about Mm. like things and that's like that's a whole other episode too but it is (laughs) for me it is very attached to my parents because like I I have like created like I I created a whole separate reality for myself to just to like survive and obviously like now I have better coping mechanisms (laughs) and tools um thank you Jen old (laughs) therapist in Kansas City she's the real one um but like but I I think that like for me it's like it weirdly it weirdly ties back to food because like I the the, there's a whole story around it but the whenever I was in Kansas City I had um I did this thing called soup night and we all you you've you've had my soup you've been to a meal you know you know that it's a big like thing that I love to do and whenever um I lived in Kansas City like when there was this point where like a lot of the lies that I had been telling and a lot of the things that I had been like um just hiding and uh, just the terrible thing person that I was then I like started to kind of like come to the surface in like a really real way that like affected a lot of my relationships and it all kind of came to a head whenever I was like having dinner with a bunch of friends and it was so weird because like I had like a full-on meltdown and every single person there like held me in that Mm -hmm. and so like I attach food because that was just like such a formative moment in like just in the last few years like I attach food to like love so much in like my life now because like for me like I, I would never consider myself when, self someone who has a, an eating disorder, but I have had like disordered eating habits. Mm. Um, and like, I think now, like for me, like food is just, like I said at the beginning, like food is such a nourishing thing for me that it's like, it often gives me the comfort that like I never had. Um, and so, and I also attach it to like, because I didn't have like a, a family that taught me how to cook or I don't have like even when I was at my grand grandparents house we just went out to eat because like nobody mm. nobody cooked nobody baked anything um and so like that was just never like a love language that was exchanged between like my family and so now like that is like that is my love language it's like let me cook for you um because I like want people to know that like that they're that they can be fed I guess, mm. like by by me, and um, it is also so like a nurture. It's a nurturing thing too. Like food is yeah. like because I'm the same way. Like you were at Friendsgiving. I had like 30 yes. people in my very small apartment. Oh, it was so good. Ugh, but I'm I'm very good. Like I I come from a family like where holidays and food and meals period are huge. Like my godparents, we had we had Sunday dinner every Sunday. Like mm, wow, I'll go to church and every single Sunday we'd go back to the house and like I'll cook dinner and like and sit and eat together so like with me yeah. like I'm very big I'm like 
having meals and sharing meals and inviting everyone. Like we were always taught it to bring people in, like never have a person who celebrates anything alone. So that's why I'm really big right. about like Friendsgiving and Christmas and Easter. Although with quarantine this year, it was hard. Um, yeah. But like, I'm very big on that too. Of like, I, I the same. like, I will show you, I love you. Cause I will cook something for you. I will bake something for you. I'll invite you over for a dinner. Like, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I agree. Like it's just this very like nurturing thing. And like, yeah. showing up for people is is me cooking or make making sure you have something so yeah it's all yeah. about showing up yeah which I I want to backtrack to to when you said enough red flags to make a blanket um <laughs> I had to write it down because I was like I feel attacked right now um because like, I like I said I dated really badly too but I dated people who I knew I could nurture and leave better than how I found them. But I also mm. also say to people like, I'm not a fixer, but I will be that person who need, who, when you need someone to show up mm. and someone asked the other day, like you say that all the time, you're not a fixer. And yet you do all these things for people. And I was like, I think it's cause I was never quote unquote fixed. Like mm. I'm still in this period of like, I am still fixing and healing. So I don't right. want people to like, quote unquote latch on to me and think like everything in life's gonna be great now. I'm like you're gonna have someone who shows up and cares for you. But I'm very big and like I've had to do the self work. Like you can't right. jump into something and think it's gonna fix everything about you. Um mm-hmm. so I think about that too because again, red flags. <laughs> like yeah. I like see them and I'm like, you know what? That looks like a it's like for me it's like not a warning. It's like, you know what? That looks interesting and fun over there. Let's just <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> Go yes. on over and see what, what it's like a, de- a destination. It's like you are 5.3 miles away from the next disaster. And I yeah. just drive <laughs> right towards it. Um, yeah. I think of that too, because it's like, if you are, it's going to sound awful, but like if you are with someone who's like, quote unquote, worse off than you, you don't have to focus on you. Like you can put love and attention into something else. And again, avoidance behavior. Like I feel like if I can do good things for you, maybe it'll make me feel better about myself which is yeah. a whole different thing. But mm. yeah, when you ever said that, I was like, whew, Chile, there are yeah. people in my dating history who I should not have dated, which I was talking to a friend about the other day. She's like, girl, you just, you just date to date. And I'm like, that's the thing. Like, I don't like, you had made a note in here too of like mm. staying too long out of fear of being alone. Like I said yeah. before, like I will, I will date someone like just in the interest of dating like I have never seen myself as like a long-term partner person mm-hmm. um trying to change that this year taking some time mm-hmm. to heal um but yeah like I I aside from the guy I recently broke up with I have never broken up with the person I was seeing everyone else has had to break up with me <laughs> oh yeah I and have like, <laughs> never broken up with anyone ever I've I've always been dumped and I had a conversation with Jordan about this and yeah I I have stayed even after people have I mean I've I this is a big shame point for me but like I have definitely been like a beggar Mm. um in like past lives of like like literally please do not leave um because like it I mean and like my the person that I like dated um before I moved to Kansas City or before I left Kansas City like we I mean he I I was terrible to him and he was also terrible to me and we were both terrible to each other but like we were like (laughs) 
both so sad and broken and like we like dated in secret for like a few months because everyone was like you should not be together like this is terrible and we were like yeah but we're gonna do it anyway (laughs) um and obviously you know that didn't work out but it just it's it's so it's so weird to like think back of like what I like my past partners just were um they gave me so many like (laughs) signs that they didn't want to be Mm -hmm. with me but I somehow I I was the person that was like I can change your mind (laughs) and 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 it it always obviously always were did not work out because it's like if somebody I mean I don't know it's it's just a there is just so much manipulation so much abuse and emotional like just terribleness <laughs> and like it, it's funny because like I can look back on it now and be like you were crazy <laughs> and I don't like to I like I hate being thought of as crazy and like I hate um I mean that's like a whole thing but it's like I I I can look back in some of the things that I've done and the reasons that I have stayed and look back at that person and and I'm like I just like want to give her a hug and and be like you were like I listened to this podcast called Just Break Up and it's so good um (laughs) and they just talk a lot about how you have to forgive yourself for the things that you did when you were trying to survive and Mm. you have to know that you were doing the best you could with the tools you had in the moment and the work the head and heart work is learning tools to be better you know and like that's I that's like really all I want to do is just you know take all of these things all of the abandonment all of the the pain grief and just turn it into like some sort of like reclamation that like I went through all of it and and yet I am here and I now am just like trying to grow and create um spaces that people can like feel seen and can feel like they have room to grow as well because god knows I've been told that like I am nothing but what has happened to me um or like I am just my trauma or I am just the crazy ex or you know whatever like I've been reduced to like the 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 trauma points of my life and like I refuse to do that to myself you know so anyway (laughs) I think that's a great place to end. I think that's a great summary of everything we just talked about. Yeah. I do have one more question. Well, two. Yeah. Any organizations, events, websites you want to plug? I'll be sure to link all like the books and the other podcasts you talked about in the show notes. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, Well, you know, the big project that I am a part of right now is ATX Interfaces, Um, you know, Interfaces, and uh, we are – doing a bunch of things and so I don't know check all of that out um KB who was I think your first guest KB was the um, third guest the third oh third guest um but they're the founder and I love working with them and so check out interfaces um I mean I guess that this is probably not going to come out like today but I'm doing an Instagram live reading today (laughs) well I'll share I'll be sure to share on my Instagram today we'll we'll do we'll do a share yeah yeah 
Um, but yeah, but otherwise, um, you know, my website is samanthasloopsypoetry.com. Follow me on Instagram at Sam from KC. <laughs> and I will just talk a lot about mental health and and how you're not alone and that yeah. I see you. And, and I will, again, be sure to link all the stuff on Instagram and our show notes. And then my last question, mm. what is the best advice you were ever given or what's a piece of advice you would give to your younger self? I feel like... <laughs> Oh, I feel, I thought about this, and now everything that I've thought about has exited my brain. <laughs> Isn't that what always um, happens? Yeah, I I mean, I think the best advice that I've um, ever been given is kind of, it, I, honestly, is what I was talking about from that podcast, um, Just Break Up, which sounds lame that the best advice I've been given is through a podcast, but here we are, um, that, like, <clears throat> you you're allowed to forgive yourself for the things that um, you did when you were in survival mode. Um, Cause I carry so much shame about a lot of the things I've done. And it's like, shame is as Brene Brown, like would say like, shame is just like the, the thief of all things good. <laughs> um, and so I think that like, I've been given a lot of permission to like forgive myself. And also that like, the forgiveness of myself like isn't tethered to like other people's like acceptance um I think um and then I guess the piece of advice that I would give to my younger self is that like you're gonna make it (laughs) (laughs) and that there is so much joy in the smallest of things including your plants <laughs> that's a that's a big question and i don't know but just i think overall that you're gonna make it you're gonna make it dude okay yeah love it uh well thank you so much for being on this week i had the best time talking to you mm-hmm. well let's, let's facetime more often i think we can talk yes. about this for hours on end so oh my gosh so long we can have a 16 hour facetime um i would love it literally it was the longest facetime um and that's it for this week's episode of the tea with brie be sure to follow us on instagram at the tea with brie send me an email at the tea with brie at gmail.com and visit the website the tea with brie podcast.com don't forget to rate review and subscribe on apple podcast or wherever you get your podcasts a special thanks to mama duke as always for our theme song and i will talk to y'all next week bye